We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman, the 49ers beat writer over at the Sacramento Bee. Sorry there was no pod earlier this week. Had a small technical hiccup, and by small I mean big technical hiccup where we we did not uh we were not able to recover the recording for the episode. So uh that's why there was no episode earlier this week. We are going to recap that episode today for you. This comes out Friday. We're recording it Thursday night. We'll recap quickly our episode from earlier this week and then next week we will get back on track. And talking about the 49ers offseason and we're starting to hit that weird point in the middle of the offseason where there's not a ton going on, but we'll continue to bring you content because that's what we are committed to doing. So here is our quick recap of the episode that you did not hear unless you were on Locker Room earlier this week. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, Chris, we're in full heat-beating season. We are. It is not a game anymore. I'm getting ready to put my jeans away. I'm going to go shorts, and we're keeping windows closed until later in the evening. And that means that we're hitting the point of the summer where 49ers things are going to kind of grind to a halt before training camp. Yeah, 
And um, I'm going up to Santa Rosa this weekend for Memorial Day weekend, and I couldn't be more excited because it's going to be like a reunion with all the uh, all the high school friends that I haven't oh, gotten to see in a in a long time. And playing golf on Sunday, it's going to be like 90 plus degrees in Windsor, um, which is going to be a little bit rough when it comes to beating the heat. But um, I'll be wearing sunscreen. I'll be staying cool. Yeah, I'll make honestly, it happen. honestly, I don't I don't mind it so much because when you golf the way I do, you spend so much time under the trees <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that that it's not so bad. That's when it's when it's a little bit hot out. So the 49ers began their OTAs Monday this week. You guys were out there on Tuesday. That's what our podcast was about. And we wound up doing a 48-minute locker room on OTAs. We're going to whittle that conversation down quite a bit here. Yeah. The the big thing to watch, and, and the overarching theme is there's not a lot to take away from OTAs. The reps are so limited. What you guys see in in practice is is so limited um but still the the thing worth watching more than anything is the quarterback i'm going to call it a battle but the distribution of reps between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo the the question i think is how much is is going to happen if anything during OTAs in that quarterback battle, or is it just about laying the foundations for where the Garoppolo Lance, uh, race is going to start once camp picks up? Yeah. So when, you know, Trey Lance is just not in position to overtake Jimmy Garoppolo right now because everything is so new. Um, he's been learning the offense for a matter of weeks Garoppolo's been here for, you know, going on four years now. So he, he has a clear advantage. He understands the offense. He's a team captain. Um, he has all that going for him and it's going to take Trey Lance beating him out to win the job or at least making it close enough for the coaching staff and, and everybody on the roster to, to be like, all right, you know, we should, we should probably roll with Trey because Trey's clearly the more talented guy and the guy they invested so much in. So, it's not going to get to that point for a while. I think training camp, um, you know, the end of August and potentially early September is when all that stuff is going to come to a head. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, what's going to happen over these next few weeks, uh, there, I think there's still three weeks of OTAs to go, including the mandatory session in mid June. Um, so there's going to be a, plenty of time for this thing to play out. I still expect Trey Lance to give Jimmy Garoppolo a real run for his money um, as soon as week one. And and I think a, a fair over-under is that bye week in week six, um, which we've talked about on, on previous episodes to say, all right, maybe that's the demarcation point in where this thing changes, particularly if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't lights out and the 49ers lose a few of their games uh, to, to start the year in September and October. So, the the thing to take away from OTAs for me isn't necessarily quarterback related. It's just the fact that everybody who's healthy is there. Um, and, you know, Fred Warner is practicing and participating in 11-on-11 drills despite not having a new contract, which he's due for this this offseason. And that's pretty rare, right? And, and he was talking about it earlier this week, basically saying, I could get hurt walking across the street. It's really important for us to... Um, to improve, for me to improve, all of those things. And it's just not a common thing in the league anymore, particularly with the NFLPA telling everybody 
um, you know, to avoid the off-season program. And I think, you know, that they make fair points in wanting to do that, but the 49ers players are, are just seem like they're all bought in. And so that, that to me is really notable because, you know, you look at the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, and this is from Joe Fan, our buddy, um, Pete Carroll said that there are 35 guys at Seahawks OTAs. The Niners wow. have their full healthy roster there. The only guys who weren't Man. there at the facility, um, when we were there this week were Nick Bosa and D Ford. And Nick Bosa is obviously recovering from his ACL tear in Florida. Kyle Shanahan said they're checking in with him regularly, and he expects Bosa to be a full go by the time training camp comes around. Um, and Ford had been at the facility uh, for months and months this offseason rehabbing his back injury, and it got to the point where Kyle Shanahan said he had to tell D Ford to leave. Um, you know, go <laughs> go to your hometown, go spend some time huh. with your family. Um, and he's optimistic sort of about – Ford potentially being available at some point in August. So, you know, I'm still dubious about Ford's availability at all early in the season if he does come back. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But to me, the bigger story than the quarterback stuff is just the buy-in from the roster because it's pretty clear there's a lot of urgency right now um, in May for these guys to improve and, and they want to bounce back in, a, in you know badly after going 6-10 and 10 last year. So that to me was, was the big takeaway is that this team collectively is really focused and it seems like everybody's in a pretty good place from a, you know, a, a culture standpoint. Some of that stuff can get, get overstated a little bit, but just the vibe around the team right now is pretty good. And I think they're going to hit the ground running in training camp while other teams like the Seahawks only have 35 guys there during OTAs mm-hmm. might be a little bit further behind come August. It's almost like a carryover of. And I know it's not necessarily the the exact same team, but they went into 2020 with this whole revenge tour thing, right? They were going to avenge their loss in the Super Bowl and they were going to come back. And then they just kind of hit a wall in week two right. when Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas all went down. D Ford went down in week one. Richard Sherman went down in week one. I mean, that's, that's like George, George Kittle. George Kittle went down in week one. That's like five of their six most important players yeah. all, all went down in in the first two weeks so it's like they never got that chance to to really uh get back in the saddle and and try and and defend the nfc crown and it feels a little bit now based on what you're saying from from the number of players there and 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 all and the 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 work that that guys are putting in to try and get back from injury it feels a little bit like this is a a a more focused version of that. It's not just this emotional, pissed off. Uh, we're gonna go avenge the the Super Bowl loss. It's more of a like, okay, this is a team that can win the Super Bowl. They know what that's going to take, and they're executing that now that they can be there in person. Yeah, they want to prove that they're the 2019 team. They're that right. you know they're one of the best teams in the league. And that they are not what they were last year, which was a team that ended up with a 12th pick in the draft. Um, so obviously there's a lot of urgency, like there's a lot of urgency, but it's what's so fascinating about it is it's a team that considers itself a real contender that's also going through a weird quarterback situation, um, and a pot- potential transition, right? So, mm. um, that, that's, that's really fascinating. I, I think, 
you know, you try to rack your brain, like what team has like, has gone through this recently. And it just sort of popped into my head before we were recording. And it's like, I think the, the most analogous situation is actually the Patriots from like 20, 2014 through 2017 with Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady. The only difference is, you know, you thought that Jimmy Garoppolo would eventually unseat Tom Brady because Tom Brady was in his mid thirties and was going to retire eventually. So you could, you know, it would be a smooth handoff. It wasn't the Patriots investing three first round picks and drafting Jimmy Garoppolo third overall, like the Niners did Trey Lance. But that, that's just sort of like, it's just such a weird situation. That's the only team I could think of that's sort of gone through something similar um, in recent seasons. And I, I could be wrong about that, but you know, I, I just, it, they're in such a fascinating place in their history right now. And it seems like they're, the locker room is handling everything really well. And I even asked Fred Warner about it. Um, you know, like as a team captain, just like, you know, are you at all concerned about it getting weird because you do have this, this awkward sort of quarterback situation coming up? And he basically shrugged it off and said, now nah, we're all pros. Like, you know, we're, we're, it's all competition, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, that could be platitudes, but it could also just be like, this is a very veteran team that's experienced, that's been, been through the battles with Jimmy Garoppolo and they know what the deal is because Jimmy Garoppolo has been hurt and, and his injuries have basically cost them two of the last three years. So the takeaway for me from OTAs is just that it seems like the foundation inside the locker room is in a good enough spot to absorb whatever awkwardness uh, could come from this looming quarterback battle whenever that does happen. And it's probably going to be August and September. And that's not to say there aren't still plenty of questions to answer. They're not going to be able to culture their way back to the Super Bowl. Like they're going to need a lot of things (laughs) to go right. right. But if given what you can learn from OTAs, which is not a lot, frankly, but given what you can learn from OTAs, if you're charting a path back to the Super Bowl for San Francisco, this is probably where it starts. Yeah. Um, again, there's a long way to go and a ton of hurdles. And even if they're healthy, they need everything to kind of go right. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's a tough division. It's going to be hard to just get back to the postseason. Plus, yeah. like we said, they're dealing with the Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo thing. So, like I said, this is not to say that oh, chalk them up or, or pencil them in as the as the as the NFC rep in the Super Bowl, but um, they're they're in a a good spot all things considered where where they could be. Yeah, and and put it this way, and I think you make a really good point, but put to to say it another way is that if they do have a successful season and it, and it includes a deep run into the postseason, they're going to talk about it. It's like it started in May. Like the journey yes. started in May. Yep. And with, you know, the Seahawks having 35 guys at their OTAs and it mostly being their rookie class, like their journey, whatever that is, isn't going to start until until training camp. So, theoretically, the 49ers could have a pretty significant advantage given... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That they're already going through these practices and everybody's already in the building um, and they're, and they're, you know, working pretty hard to, to get better ahead of training camp. So that could give them an advantage. And I think the players realize it. Kyle Shanahan's thrilled about it. Um, and it just does sort of speak to, you know, the culture that, that they've cultivated there. Now, whether or not that translates to wins and losses is another thing, but mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't hurt to, you know, if you're a fan of the 49ers, you should probably be encouraged by the idea that, everybody's working in May. They're not skipping OTAs. This is like, this is a team that's focused on getting back early on while, you know, a few other teams aren't. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I want to shift gears real quick to one of the other storylines kind of looming over the 49ers offseason at present is the Julio Jones trade rumors. It was reported today by Diana Rossini of ESPN that the Falcons were offered a first-round pick for Julio Jones as they're shopping him. He has requested a trade. The 49ers and Kyle Shanahan have been connected to Jones, not not just because of of the familiarity between those two, but because of San Francisco's need for a for another receiver. I think yeah. um, it makes a lot of sense. The now the money doesn't work straight across. Let's say the 49ers, the the picks don't matter. Let's say they package a couple picks that Atlanta wants and they send Jones to San Francisco. Jones is due a $15.3 million, uh, or carries a $15.3 million salary cap hit this year. That doesn't fit under where the 49ers are. How would they create that space? Because from what I understand, it wouldn't be too difficult. Yeah, they don't have the space because they still do have to sign their top three draft picks, Trey Lance, um, Aaron Banks, and Trey Sermon. And I'm I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head how much that's going to cost. But they only have like $17 million in space. Obviously, they can't do that. And um, insert Julio Jones, $15.3 million just into their cap situation. So what they can do is they can look at some of their veterans on bigger contracts, um, not even including Jimmy Garoppolo uh, or potentially D Ford, who may or may not play this year and may or may not come off the books at some point over the next two seasons. But, you know, Eric Armstead can get restructured. 
um, Jimmy Ward can get restructured and or extended. Fred Warner is going to sign his extension, and there's a chance that they backload that like they have other contracts and shrink his cap number from 3.3 million this year to even smaller, uh, and, and, you know, create more cap space. And then the other thing, because Julio Jones only has 2 million guaranteed for 2022 and no guarantees for 2023, the 49ers could say, Hey, Julio, why don't we guarantee you some money for 2022 and then shrink your cap hit from, you know, shrink it in half from 15.3 to seven and a half. Um, that's a possibility too. So there, there are a bunch of different avenues the 49ers could make this work. I think, you know, the financial implications of, of Jones's contract, as long as he doesn't want a new deal upon getting traded, um, which I mean, he has three years left on his deal and he's still getting a lot of money from the Falcons in, in terms of, you know, the prorated bonuses. Um, that current deal he signed in 2019 pays him 41 million in bonuses and the 49ers don't have to worry about that or that I should say the team trading for Julio Jones doesn't have to worry about any of that bonus money because that's, that's all on the Falcons term sheets, right? So, um, basically the 49ers are only absorbing the base salary and they're with three years left and no guarantees in 2023 in the last year of that deal, they can manipulate it to the point where they can shrink his cap number two on top of the other restructures they could do already on the books. And that's not even accounting for, like I said, potentially getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and his $24 million either this year or next year. Um, so right. they're, you know, the, the 49ers are in a spot where they could absolutely absorb Julio Jones I think the, the the issue that they might have is not their own cap situation. It's the market, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, are they going to be able to give teams draft picks um, that satisfy or th- give the Falcons draft picks that, that satisfy their demands, right? Because yeah, if, if, if another team offers a two and a four, that other team is probably going to pick ahead of the 49ers. You know, if the 49ers got Julio Jones, they're probably picking in the late 20s or maybe, you know, 31, 30s. 32. Right, yeah. Um, if they get Julio Jones. So the Falcons could look at, at that and say, well, why don't we trade him to Tennessee, who's probably not going to win the Super Bowl even with Julio Jones, and maybe we get earlier picks in that. So that's that's the well, issue the 49ers are going to run into and if, when it comes to getting Julio Jones if they want him, not the salary cap stuff. Right, and if a team offers a first, it's done. It's what happened it's with done. the Matthew Stafford thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and yeah. if I would, I would. It, it I, our our friend pointed out this, uh, or, or somebody we both know pointed this out <laughs> to us that mm-hmm. if the Call Falcons, friend, but okay. if the if the Falcons got offered a first round pick, they probably would have taken it already, right? And this trade isn't going to happen until after June first, regardless, just because of the the cap figures and and how all that works. Uh, with Julio, but like if if he were going to get dealt for a first round pick and a first round pick's already on the table, like the Falcons probably would have taken it already. So right, yeah, they're not um, going to shop around and see if there's right. another first round pick available. Right, it, it's not often you know thirty two year old receivers go for for packages that include first round picks. I mean, hell, even you know Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in football, with a few years left, only went for a third and a fifth. Right. You know, so I, I think a second and a fourth would potentially make sense. Maybe a second and a third if the Niners are really desperate for them. But then you're talking about not picking. Um, I mean, you, do, you don't have first round picks the next two years. So they're probably not going to give away consecutive picks in the same draft. It might be similar to what they did with Trent 
and split those uh, split those picks up over you know different years in twenty two and twenty three. Um, but no, I think it could absolutely happen. I, you know, like I, I it's on I the table. For it's sure. on the table, and I don't think they passed. Like I don't think it was an accident they didn't draft a receiver because yeah. they they had a pretty pretty clear need that they needed one. Yeah, you know, or it was it was pretty apparent that they needed one, and you know this is sort of similar to 2019 when when they went into the year potentially needing a third receiver, and then they went and got Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so you know, like that, it sort of feels like they're in a similar situation from a receiver standpoint. And like I said, I think the 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 money stuff they can make it work pretty easily as long as Julio Jones is amenable um, and doesn't need. You know, I mean, look, his cap, if he stays with the Falcons, his cap number is 23 million this year, 19, uh, 19.26 in 22 and 23 with the Falcons. The Falcons have like $110 in cap space. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know why they restructured Matt Ryan's deal the way they did when they were picking fourth. And they could just draft a quarterback and yeah. not carries. I, I have no idea. I have no idea what the Falcons are doing. Yeah, you'd think drafting Kyle Pitts means, all right, we're all in on this season. Yeah, but, I mean, but, I guess if Julio Jones were requesting a trade. If, yeah, that's true. That's true. He'd request a trade. Still, it's uh, fascinating, that organization. And the 49ers yeah. face them in Week 15. And, you know, if you're trying to uh, get a, a rookie quarterback ingratiated into the NFL, getting him Julio Jones to pair with everything else that offense already has wouldn't be the worst thing, in my opinion. Uh, right. Quick question. Quick, I, I agree. I completely agree. And on that note, the reason I thought of this uh, is you, you brought up the rookie quarterback angle of this. Bill Barnwell at ESPN, he floated the trade idea of a second-round pick and LaVisca Chenault from the Jags to Atlanta for Julio. Would you do a, let's call it... Uh-huh, Let's call it a third and Debo Samuel for Julio Jones. Yeah, probably. I have a tough time with that one because Samuel is so dynamic and young. And if you trade a receiver for Julio Jones, you still have a problem with not having a really good third option. But I'm not sure how important that's going to be yeah i mean if you have george kittle julio jones and brandon Ayuk, you're probably you're probably doing fine yeah if you don't have debo the 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 samuel it's i'm glad you i'm glad you included samuel in that because the conversation around him over these next couple seasons is going to be fascinating right yes because there are so many receivers in the league right now and there, it seems like every year there's just a handful of stars in each draft. Mm-hmm. And if Huli, if Debo Samuel is really productive over the next two seasons, are you going to pay him twenty million dollars a year at, atop the receiver market when you could pretty easily, you know, find a replacement for cheaper? And your yeah. Kyle Shanahan, who can you know maximize or get guys open um, in a way that's pretty unique, right? It's like um, running backs. Yeah, basically, receivers are are the new running backs in a way. I think that's a, that's an interesting way to receivers put it. Receivers and running backs don't matter. No, I'm joking. 
don't 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 get me started on the no, don't but, matter thing. That's but it, but the but the point is like Debo Samuel, who's had an injury history in college and now in the pros. Are you really committing, you know, $15, $20 million a year to that when you could just draft a guy in the second round to, to replace him, which is essentially what the Steelers have been doing? Um, and by that by that point, he's due for an extension after this year yeah. and then has one more year left. And by the end of his rookie contract, you'll have a pretty good idea on whether or not you're paying Trey Lance. Or you're right. going to have to start budgeting for Trey Lance. Nick Bosa will have had his extension by then. Fred Warner will have had an extension by then. Right. I just, I, I think it's going to be really difficult to, unless, unless Samuel comes out and is like rushing for 800 yards and racking up a thousand yards receiving, which is, yeah. I don't think he is. I have a hard time imagining they're, they're going to want to pay him, but. Again, like you said, that's going to be a conversation that I think continues over the next couple of years and is going to depend a lot on his productivity, which may see may see a little bit of a decrease if they wind up trading for Julio Jones. Yeah, and it's why if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm drafting a receiver in, during the first three rounds in every draft, Yeah, which, if, he, if which he pretty much has to, done except this yeah. year. Unless, and it, unless you're drafting Julio Jones unless you draft Julio Jones which would be wild in the second or third round if you draft a player like that then then you know you pay them right. but i i imagine it's going to be a cycle every 3 or 4 years of just kind of new new blood at, at receiver but i don't think that should stop them if the price is a second and a fourth from getting Julio Jones because then they might already have the best offense in the NFC West. If they add Julio Jones, they have a chance to be one of the best offenses in, in all of football. Chiefs yeah. included. Yeah, and like getting Julio Jones isn't necessarily just like, oh, the Niners need Julio Jones. It's also taking away Julio Jones from another Super Bowl threat. Right? Hmm. Like if the Niners get Julio oh, if Jones. He doesn't get traded elsewhere. Yeah, the You're Packers don't the get. Okay, sure, yeah, sure, sure. If the Niners get Julio Jones, the Packers do not get Julio Jones. The Seahawks don't get Julio Jones. The Rams don't get Julio Jones. None of the other thirty teams <laughs> will be getting Julio Jones. Yeah, they wouldn't. Trump it would be the that. Niners. So it's, <laughs> it's that. That's something you have to factor into it too. Is that you know like do do we just want to like pay a little bit more so he doesn't land elsewhere and we don't have to worry about going through Julio Jones in the playoffs? Like that's. That's at least part of the conversation. I don't know how big of a part of the conversation it will be, but it's at least part of it. Because if Julio Jones goes to the Rams, you know, like, that's that's really not a good development for the Niners, right? Yeah, and and I think, too... <laughs> or the Packers. Just to, that, just to that point, I think the difference is... I think the difference is they're not going to go, all right, we'll go a second and a fourth, and then they find out that the Seahawks have a second and a third. Uh, I think that's where the Niners would maybe bump up their offer. Yeah. But they're not going to go, all right, we'll do a second and a fourth. And then the Falcons say, well, hey, the Seahawks have a first on the table. It's like, all right, Seahawks, you, you take them then. Yeah. I mean, I think, the, I think the Niners would, at. yeah, the Niners would be happy for another team to give up a first for them. But, um, because they're not, I mean, they don't have first round picks to trade, so um, they would be SOL on that. But no, I, I, I do think it's a significant possibility, particularly just because this is like the Emmanuel Sanders and Trent Williams trades were very similar 
just in terms of situations to what a Julio Jones deal would look like right now. And given Kyle Shanahan's history and the fact that he's still one of the three or four best receivers in the league, like you absolutely have to consider it. And particularly if you're like, you know, like <laughs> you want to help Trey Lance out, getting him Julio Jones is, is not going to hurt him at all. So it's, uh, yeah. we'll see. You know, I'm not, and I'm not reporting anything. I haven't heard anything from anybody. Unless, but Julio, unless can... Julio Jones is a huge Jimmy G guy. <laughs> Elaborate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do you mean? You said it would help Trey Lance. I'm, it's stupid. Forget oh, it. we I got that. you. I got you. <laughs> Julio Jones ruins the quarterback competition yeah. for Trey Lance. Yeah, he's like, I need Jimmy Garoppolo to be the guy. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. let's get out of here. Sure. Thanks everybody. for listening, everybody. Yeah, enjoy uh, enjoy your long weekends. Be yes. safe. Um, don't forget what Memorial Day is all about too. It's not it's yes, not just a, a long weekend to uh, to drink beer and and party. Yes. Even though you know some of us will be doing that, but there's an element to uh, to Memorial Day that's important that we should think yes. about too. Reflect. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Reflect, and uh, just just be be thankful for yeah. for. Um, the sacrifices people make. Yeah. So put it this do, way: uh, do what we do. Put it this way: if we uh, if we were not on the right side of World War II, your boy over here probably doesn't exist. Hmm. So that's a yes. Boy, <laughs> this guy. Wow. I'm gonna go now. Yeah. Let's uh, go. Subscribe, rate, review if you have not. We really appreciate you guys. Like I said, we'll be back on a regular schedule next week. And again, apologies for the uh, technical hiccup with no. With no episode earlier this week. We'll uh, keep you updated on all the latest 49ers news as always. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.